What are you guys' favorite cheeses? Oh. Uh. Oh man. Gouda. <laughs> That's a gouda. <laughs> Where's the rim shot? I'm waiting for the rim shot. Hey. <laughs> Oh. All right, all right, all right. Well, I, I guess I don't know. I use a fuck ton of mozzarella in my life. Me too, man. Mozzarella is underrated. Like, it is. No, buffalo, like mozzarella di buffalo. Yeah, like that. I, I, I lived for a decent chunk of my life in Italy, and that is like Satan tempting me on my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like burrata's come in and like taken up all of the spotlight. And I think that that's a shame. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I do like a good, like, sharp cheddar on, mm, like, mm-hmm. some good, soft, like, French baguette. Mm-hmm. That's, that, uh, that, that always gives me the nice, nice feelies. Oh, yeah. Welcome, listener, to Tuned In Dialed Up, a podcast <laughs> about cheeses and podcasts. I am We're finally host, making Gavin. my Gouda, my, my... Gouda and Brie. Yeah, my Gouda, my Gouda and Brie. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> And the podcast come full circle. Bada bing. We finally made it, folks. We can cancel it. Today, (laughs) I'm joined by two wonderful people. Will, as usual. Hi. Nothing? Okay, cool. And the uh, (laughs) mate. I was waiting for you to go, and. (laughs) Oh. No, you're doing the intros. You go for it. All right, cool. And we are joined today for reasons that will become apparent later by the... What the fuck? People are starting trucks outside. Of course they are. We are joined today by the amazing, the wonderful, the fantastic Lisette Alvarez. Hi, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's right. We have the actual ones. It's so loud. So loud. We will not use that. (laughs) For those uh, who don't know, Lisette Alvarez is um, the person behind Kalila Stormfire's Economical Magic Services, um, the voice of the Magic King Dom in the Magic King Dom, um, as well as one of the people spearheading the Podcaster Roundtables, which are a YouTube live stream series helping new podcasters with some like good advice and ruminations from some more seasoned podcasters. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I'm missing? The uh, uh. set has a small part in an upcoming sci-fi sitcom someone might be making. Oh, ho, ho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a little thing. It's 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 fine. No, I'm just I'm just like I. It's fine. <laughs> it's We're fine. fine. <laughs> I get to I get to be the uh, tourist that uh, I've always hated growing up on the beach. So. I'm so excited. It's been fun. It is a very fun moment. So, uh, we open up every episode with a moment where we talk about one of our favorite moments in podcasting since the last episode. So, I think since Lisette is the guest, I think it would only be appropriate to ask Lisette, what is your favorite moment in the last couple of weeks? Oh, let's see. Okay. Um, You can talk up that thing that you dropped today. You know, you can talk about that thing. Good oh, one, Will. okay. Oh, oh, this isn't the one that this isn't the part of the podcast that that we at, we talk about other podcasts. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> my favorite thing is 
um, freaking out one over uh, my writing my show, but then distracting myself by creating and uh, beginning to launch or pre-launching uh, my Indiegogo campaign for season two. Woo! Yay! I'm very excited. Um, there's a lot of rewards uh, that I am developing. Um, very witchy rewards. Mm. Um, and I've got some cool things lined up um, uh, for for the second season as well. Um, so yeah, uh, I am going to be launching launching the campaign itself on Audio Drama Sunday this Sunday. Nice. So I guess when this launch when this launches it will or with when this episode premieres it'll have already launched. <laughs> so um, check it out uh, on the Twitter or um, for the link. And anywhere else that Kalila Stormfire can be found. We will, will also it link everywhere. it. We'll link it in the show notes. That'll be lovely. Thank you. Ooh. Of course. Yes, because we'll... I want to pay my actors and I want to pay my sound engineer. Fucking right. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here with pages Do you of talk Indiegogo a... notes thinking the same shit. Just like, I gotta. <laughs> this, has to go... <laughs> this, is... this has to go on the internet at some point. <laughs> it's so stressful. I feel you. Yeah. Do you want to talk up um, Kalila a little bit in like a more broad sense for those who haven't listened yet? Yes. I'm not going to ask you for your money if you don't actually know <laughs> what it is. <laughs> um, I mean, like, give them your money anyway. Just do it. Trust yeah, us. That's... But also listen. <laughs> I mean, everybody trusts Will, right? Right? Uh, okay. Um, anyway, so... I wanted to see where that bit would go if I didn't say anything. A uh, hard right turn. Um, so, sorry. Kalila Stormfire's Economical Magic Services is a modern fantasy audio drama about a witch for hire. So the first season is about um, her talking about her clients, and slowly but surely you start to find out that someone is trying to sabotage her magic business. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. It is a very witchy, very, um, it's inspired by my own identity as a witch and a pagan um, and includes a lot of themes that are very important to me. Um, and in, in a narrative that is also very personal and um, reflects a lot of my own personal experiences too. It's also a dope but ass it's show. Also Thank you. It's so good. Y'all gotta check out the first season and contribute to the Indiegogo. Me. Yeah. Yeah. So Will, Gavin, how about you? What's you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> okay. Okay. So mine is uh, very very silly. My thing is very silly. Um, sometimes on Twitter, I post lists of things that I have noticed that like a ton of podcasters are all into, um, and the list keeps becoming more and more esoteric and strange. <laughs> and my favorite thing is that my the, the the thing that I found out most recently that every podcaster likes, despite what kind of podcast they make, is Hades Town, the album by Anais Mitchell that is also an off Broadway play. It is a great album. It is a retelling of the Orpheus and Eurydice myth set in the Dust Bowl South. And I have had, <laughs> like, um, the people from those happy places love it. 
the spirits people obviously love it. People who are on actual play podcasts love it. And I just think that that is delightful <laughs> and hilarious. So that is my favorite thing since we last recorded. <laughs> That's lovely. Have you heard Hades Town? I have not. And <gasps> oh, it is on my list. Oh, I think you're going to love it. It's so good. I I have I have stories about Hades, but that can be saved. <laughs> and uh, Gavin, it's your turn to round it out. My favorite moment of the last two weeks happened today. It is Julia Shafini's fantastic tweet asking people what their guilty pleasure podcast is, because uh, it inspired a lot of really cool recommendations out of nowhere. Because mm-hmm. uh, the way Julia framed it was a guilty pleasure not because it's a shit podcast that you like anyway like uh like will like you had with some disney shows before those happy places uh (laughs) yes julia framed it from the perspective of a show you thought you wouldn't like but then you did (laughs) yeah uh mine was mabim bam because i kept hearing it discussed as like oh it's three brothers and they're hanging out and they're so funny and i was like oh it sounds like a an actual nightmare but turns out i love it yep what was yours gavin uh mine was oh wait that was me talking to uh misha where is mine uh, oh uh flash forward i first heard about flash forward being recommended on Twitter and the person who recommended it wasn't really doing a good job of describing it. So I went in thinking mm. like, ah, oh, this is not going to be that great. And then it was great. <laughs> and every episode has been fantastic. <laughs> I am. Um, for those who've never heard of flash forward, it's a little uh, awesome show that has, uh, it takes a possible or impossible future, sets it up with a little tiny, tiny, like fictional, like audio drama style, glimpse of what happens in that world like pirates steal an asteroid and put it in orbit so we have two moons now what happens then uh and then the host goes and interviews people who are actual experts in the thing that is being talked about in that episode the latest one is about teleportation uh they are all fantastic and uh i am uh, there's a huge rift in the community apparently <laughs> between people who want more like history based content and people who just want more like what would happen uh i'm on team <laughs> history so now i'm now i'm finally in a podcast fandom that has like strong opinions on things <laughs> wait you never have been i mean what i mean like what do what do my brother my brother and people really want but besides to oh. say the word boy 5000 times a day Oh, Gavin. No, no. If only. I, I would say if only you knew, but honestly, I want to keep you safe from it forever. I mean, you do have to keep in mind Please I host the Red Light innocent. Library. Like, there's very few things <laughs> at this point. No, people are just like, no. it's not, it's just people are cruel and don't understand that podcasters are like human people. Oh, yeah. I remember the whole um, uh, still buffering thing for sure. Uh, yeah. But hey, we've already had that hey. episode. So. <laughs> With that, let's uh let's transition to the main discussion topic for today. We wanted to talk about casting calls. Um partially inspired because I posted up a, a casting call for Kalila Stormfire and was taken by just how gorgeous it was and I wanted to dig a little deeper into that. 
All right. And Gavin, I know that you also have a casting call for your show. And I fucked it Um, off. (laughs) Oh, no. No, you didn't. It's not that it was a failure or anything like that, but there were a couple of things that maybe if I, there were a couple of things that I would do differently now, knowing what I know. Case in point, I thought I would need to give everyone like a month. (laughs) And there, I mean, there's a casting call up right now for in between that runs into like mid January after PodCon. And like, that's totally cool. Uh, From my perspective, I was getting enough applications that I would have had to sift through probably like a hundred people if it kept up that rate. (laughs) So I had to turn tail and be like, "Eh." (laughs) before we jump into that, let's let's take a step back and let's talk about um, our experience with casting calls. And then I want to talk about specifically how Lisette made theirs. So my experience with casting calls is the most minimal, I think, out of the three of us. I post them up on my website, but I I don't act in audio drama, so I'm not I'm not looking for them very often. Um, I just kind of post them. I do a lot of like copying and pasting and then moving on with my day. Um, but both of you have made them. Um, and been cast by and them. Lisette, I assume that you've also, you know, looked at some for yes. roles. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, all right. So it, I, I'll, I'll talk about first my experience in, in casting calls anyway. Yeah. I have a background in theater, so I am used to um, the, the kind of the process of casting calls, what sides look like, um, a little bit more about how... I guess casts are narrowed down. So I have a little bit of, of real life. I've actually never been a director before or have had to cast people. I've always been on the other end. So I feel like that really did um, influence how I constructed mine. I re- I actually, I loved Gavin's that uh, I could I could try out a couple of different <laughs> voices and it didn't take me too long to try to, uh, to record things and just send them out. Um, I have not actually uh, auditioned for any other audio drama, to be perfectly wow. honest. <laughs> um, I was at, well, largely because Kalila Stormfire is such a big, uh, big chunk of my time. Um, and uh, Magic Kingdom was actually the first time someone directly approached me. Um, shout out to Anthony, who's amazing. And I just Anthony's finished. so good. Uh, He's such a good bean. Anthony's just him. a powerhouse of a um, producer. I don't know how he yeah. sleeps. Yes. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I do not know how he does it because he also does the sound design. Um, and I'm just also trying to shove off my sound design to somebody else. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my experience with, with uh, casting calls um, has been reading every, uh, like other people's casting calls, too, and just kind of like, ah, is this something I can dedicate my time to so far? Uh, Gavin's, you're, you, you, you fit right into <laughs> Light <weight>. time slots. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's also, uh, I, I guess that's that's. One kind of side point is mm-hmm. actually trying to figure out how much time um, a casting call might take or a, a, a part might take up um, of any particular person's time, uh, you know, considering any table readings or considering any, um, uh, you know, retakes or, or when or, you know, how they're going to record, whether they record separately 
um, or they record the entire season and then send send it or they send it in chunks. Um, that's something that I probably, uh, that I did discuss with my actors after casting, uh, but didn't really actually get into the nitty gritty of like, okay, this is how much time you can expect to spend on this. Hmm. Um, and that's also actually a product of the fact that I have not finished season two scripts yet. So nobody <laughs> knows, including myself. <laughs> Uh, all right that yeah the most effective security measure (laughs) is to not have the thing exist (laughs) (laughs) it really is gavin what about you what's your experience like uh i have auditioned for three been cast in one and have put up one of my own uh uh, and that that, that being said the one I got cast in was a uh, bit part in an episode like seven of the beacon as someone who's just hosting a uh, trivia night at a pub. And like, I'm just <laughs> 50% in the mix <laughs> in the background. It's hilarious. Uh, so it's, I got, I, it was a real Mike Wazowski moment. <laughs> I need an audio drama. I guess. I should also say, um, I haven't I haven't auditioned for things, but I was also approached by Anthony for a project and I was um, in an episode of Limbo. So I have worked with like some part of the back end of it, um, but casting calls I'm generally fairly unfamiliar with. Um, but Lisette, I want to talk about your process for writing yours for um, for Kalila. So it was gorgeous. It was so in-depth, but it wasn't like it wasn't overwhelming. I don't think especially not for people who you know haven't done something like this before. I think it was so accessible. So I would like to hear about your process for writing it and the sorts of things that you took into account when writing it. Sure. Um so it, the the big part of this to understand is that um this for me felt like a rush job. <laughs> When I put this up, because I had um, too many episodes that I needed to cast, and I wasn't sure how long it would take to find the right person, because um, specifically Gloria was a very specific type of character, mm-hmm. and because they were a person of color, um, and that uh, a very specific, uh, specifically described person of color. Um, I was unsure and and because they were also older and I wanted to have a more mature voice, um, just knowing that the, the, uh, the probability of finding someone who fits the description, um, as well as I eventually did find someone I had to think about, okay, I need to give myself time to find someone who's right for the role. Mm. Uh, that's been really kind of the the driving factor for me when not only when I searched for someone like Gloria, but before in season one where I searched for um, the character to play Desiree Onassis, where Mm -hmm. I actually put my season on hold to find the right person because I really, really wanted to fill that role. Um, And I managed to find someone who was a non-binary Black um, person who actually lived in DC and that I could record with direct directly, which was a uh, wonderful thing and uh, really grateful for um, mo- one of my one of my coven <laughs> sisters actually put me in touch with them. Oh, nice! So yeah, I, I how was very, very, I was very lucky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't even know the 
beginning of that. Um, <laughs> Kalila is the hyper-realistic version of me, and, uh, it, and the story itself likes to take a life of its own in my own life. But that's just, that's just how it is. Uh, so <laughs> when, I, when I was creating this particular um, casting notice, the first thing I was trying to figure out is like, okay, what do casting notices look like? So I did look for um, theater casting notices, especially ones that were paid, that actually mentioned um, payment process and gets into uh, kind of how things are laid out. I kind of wanted to see a structure um, that other people put out that do that, that does look professional. Mm-hmm. That has been something that I've really wanted to um, to kind of fit into my entire show which is a kind of a sense of of scalability that it can be scaled up or down depending on um needs and resources so being able to say okay this this is information that most people would find useful was really important so making sure that where the location is um how people are going to record and how much i'm going to say they're that I can I can offer um what the project length is um key dates because this was very specific casting for two characters and not a general casting call um Mm -hmm. I think that also really played a part in how specific I could get because uh and and actually kind of how readable it could be was because I was looking for very specific people um and that was helpful for me and it also didn't overwhelm me at the end of the day when I got all these uh, uh, um, auditions in my email. <laughs> so, <laughs> what I usually what what I did was um, uh, really kind of before I or as I started writing it up um, is trying to give information that I knew would be useful and especially that I knew would be useful based off of my experience being a cast member. Um, So for example, like how much acting experience are they expecting? Where are they expecting to record? How are they expecting to record? Um, Where, you know, what is the process of which that that they'll have to send files or um, how they will record or how there's table readings or anything, anything in those, those kinds of questions. Um, I wanted to try to consider, and honestly, there were things that I didn't consider that I then started to try to implement during the um, onboard, like an onboarding process I do mm-hmm. with my actors. So when I started to, you know, kind of parse out of, of okay, I do want people to be able to be remote. Um, it is useful. It doesn't seem to affect acting quality all that much. Um, and I, I will say it, it does not <laughs> seem to actually affect acting quality all that much. Um, I, I, I really do think that it is also part of the accessibility question. Mm-hmm. And I really did want to make um, my actors feel like this show was accessible to them as an actor. So I, I put in um, the audition information that um that if they need any additional support i i truly believe that deaf and blind actors can do voice yeah yeah yes Um, absolutely yeah like that's that's something that i i that hasn't been said before um i i have uh i have been in communities where 
that that type of accessibility is not explicit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to make it explicit. Uh, And uh, though I did not receive any deaf or blind um, actors, I I wanted to make sure that that's going to be a staple in any other casting Mm -hmm. calls that I I, I put forward. Um, And also to for me to learn for myself how to understand what t- what that means what type of what type of accessibility like um if i read out the sides for them give it, someone who's uh blind give them essentially an audio file of me reading out the lines um and saying like hey if you want to riff off of these go for it just i want to hear the character i want to hear the mm-hmm. soul of the character in your voice that's all i care about um and I also want to make sure that <laughs> that the, the the process is accessible. Um, I also considering uh, issues around um, flexibility. I wanted to. I offered soft recording due dates, so not only audition due dates. So if somebody sent was going to send in an audition that was past the due date, but because of extraneous circumstances, whether they had working hours that didn't work out, or they're just they were just too tired to do it. I still wanted to give them the opportunity to try. Um, And I've done the same thing with my actors before of like doing last minute rewrites or last minute um, schedule changes to accommodate emergencies or even self-care that's required on behalf of an actor. Um, I've been needing to take breaks and I've needed to do self my own self-care. You know, I'm not very good at it. This hiatus has not been a real hiatus. No, Um, it has not. (laughs) I'm... Yeah, uh, one of my friends called me out on that yesterday, and I was like, eh. <laughs> "I would, I, I would say something, but I, I can't." So, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so, for the record, second season, season two, I'm not doing many episodes during the hiatus after season two, so I'm doing that for myself. Yay! Future Good. self will be grateful. So good, but yes, that's that's something that um, even if I don't, you know walk the walk in my own way. Um, I do want to make sure that my actors and anyone who works with me is given that flexibility. Um, we're not, I'm, uh, this is not a show that's going to live or die based off of getting everything in exactly in the right time and the same time, the same place and the same way. Like we're like, we're people on a conveyor belt cause we're not, we're human. Um, and I want to make sure that that's baked into my production. Um, so yeah, accessibility has been a really big, big part of what I've done when I've tried to uh, seek out people who are, um, who I want to bring on to the show. Um, and speaking of that, uh, representation has also been a mm-hmm. very big part of uh, this, really this show. Um, first of all, I am a queer Latinus um, creator and actor, and that has been very important for me to build in representation not only in the script itself but how the script is treated by others um i brought in sensitivity readers to assess um some of the more uh more sensitive subjects especially subjects outside of my own experience um i've also been heavily i've been i've been encouraging people when they do come on to feel free to engage with the material, engage with the script, suggest alternatives, Mm -hmm. um, 
that's that's something that uh, I've I've done some edits actually based off of the lived experience of a couple of my actors. So, um, and even as I've been writing, even though I've already I've actually cast people that I haven't even written a script for yet, um, they have been inspiring uh, the characters themselves. So. I feel like that kind of thing is organic and making sure that because this script is very explicitly explicitly um, bringing in people from diverse backgrounds, I want to make sure that both the script and the actual actors represent that. So, for example, um, I explicitly say that trans people, people who are trans, um, non-binary, any genderqueer along the gender spectrum could play any characters who use the she, her, and he, him pronouns because Gloria uses she, her, um, and Clarence used uses he, him pronouns. So I wanted to make sure that, hey, you can choose whichever one you want um, as long as you're comfortable with the pronouns that the characters use. Mm-hmm. So I actually had the experience of a trans woman actually auditioning for Clarence. And um, she was an incredible actor. And she, uh, I actually have cast her in another <laughs> character. I won't say who. Um, uh, you will find out. Um, uh, and, and also because I'm not going to out her. So that's also right, another right. thing without her. Without yeah, her, and I, w- I want to touch on that a little bit later. But finish with your story here real quick first. Yeah, so um, making sure that any character can play whatever character that they want. Um, but the, the, the real crux of it, and one of the things that I've had to be careful on my own biases, is not to discount a character because the voice, to- the voice tone doesn't sound right, but rather that the character itself is being served or isn't being served. So, um, for example, one of the things that I I will say and I will own for myself, when I was listening for Gloria, I had to fight against my um, bias towards um, accented or heavily accented or less accented voices because uh, this was a Latinas um, character. And there was um, someone who had a heavier accent that I eventually didn't end up choosing. And I still have, um, you know, I'm still looking at myself, like, is it because of a heavier accent or is it because of the quality of acting? And that's something that's, I think, a conversation that should be had of, you know, is, is it, is it, are you casting based off of preconceived notions of how a character should sound? Or are you act? Are you you know being a little bit more flexible in what the possibilities could actually be? Um, and that's yeah. something I continuously try to face within myself too, especially when I went through these um, the, the, these specific character like casting notices. Yeah, that's something that is so important, especially with casting calls that claim diversity and accessibility, but then. They're looking for a specific type of voice based on those biases. But I do want to touch on the discussion of being explicit about, for instance, um, a character's gender or, you know, their romantic orientation, sexual orientation, et cetera, in a casting call. One thing that I've seen is I have seen podcasters get called out on for saying, I want a trans person in 
you know, playing this role of a trans person. I don't want a cis person playing that role. I've seen podcasters get called out and yelled at with people saying that they are forcing people to out themselves. Um, So first, before we dive too much into that, um, Gavin, I want to get your input on this a little bit. I did. I don't remember in your casting call. Did you list um, any uh, specific, like if if characters were trans? Did you list any sexual <clears throat> orientations or anything it's gonna, like that? It, I, the, I, to this day, I still feel like maybe my way of approaching it was a cop out. But um, I, I, the show that I was casting for is a sitcom, and it might I might sound full of myself, but sitcoms are kind of designed from the ground up to last. So these characters I've come up with, I wrote them in such a way that like the, the main character is very femme coded, but beyond that, many of the main characters could be whatever the person who feels right for the role is, if that makes sense. So there were a few things where I Mm -hmm. just said, this is this character can be any pronoun it can be any uh whatever you want to make it there were two characters that um because reasons i was like this 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 is a he him sad old man <laughs> mm-hmm. uh if you <laughs> if you feel comfortable playing that audition for it swing for the fences and like uh that's basically what i did with it (laughs) and i ended up with some amazing people yeah i mean i've got a i've got a fucking trans main actor that's like when i went into the world of casting i was under the impression i was gonna get a fucking dump truck of game podcaster white dudes with blue deities (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah hey well, that's the thing. Did. I was like, right. I was terrified of <laughs> making someone think they couldn't audition for something because I wanted anyone to feel like they could. And mayhaps for something that has a little bit more narrative weight to it, I would have buckled down on this character's this because this influences this. But what I have done feels like I can now kind of go the last 15% of uh well like this script that's recorded and done doesn't necessarily have a lot of backstory for anybody because it's a pilot but now i can sit here and talk to my mains and like learn more about them and just be open with them in the writing process like does this feel comfortable do you think like does this sound like i'm just cribbing from you to do this like it's a little bit more co-writer-y than having a set scripted mm-hmm. show season one written cast for it. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, and, and how would the two of you respond to that sort of criticism where someone is saying, Oh, well you're forcing someone to out themselves in this casting call. I think that it should definitely be from the point of view of honestly, safety I have very close trans friends who have... Safety is a serious problem Mm -hmm. for trans actors and and trans people. 
And honestly, I I usually in those circumstances would be like, hey, maybe this um this is something to consider. If you're ha- if you have a trans character that you are casting for someone who is trans, this is something that you should have a conversation with those actors with rather than just saying, I will only cast trans actors. Um, I, I'm totally on Gavin's side of, of this idea that you're kind of co-writing. Mm-hmm. When you're bringing other artists on, um, and this is something that I've had to learn, when you're bringing other artists onto a project, even though this project is your baby, this these people are also putting putting their their heart and yeah. souls into whatever you're working with. So yeah, it might be giving, your baby, but like they're the aunts and uncles too, you know. Yes, uh, and, it's, and it's the cousins a, it's and amazing. everything. Uh, and I, right. I won't divert too much. Sorry, it's just like I got. I'm editing right now, and not right now. I <laughs> in the last in the last couple of days, I have been editing a lot, <laughs> and the way I think about these characters that I came up with myself has changed drastically because now I know what they sound like and the way those actors have Mm -hmm. delivered them has now influenced how these people exist in my head. (laughs) Like they own them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I I definitely, I hear that because that's, something that I've started to realize because not just so the the fact that of the matter is that um the auditions that I got from this specific casting notice of two characters I got my entire cast <laughs> of uh, almost 10 people nice from. dang nice so <laughs> I yeah there's there's something to be said about um just the incredible the fact that people were attracted to this and there's just a huge variety of people. But the majority of my cast, I think I have one cis straight white guy. One. <laughs> Shout out to Chris. He's amazing. And the fact of the matter is like that. I just, that I also is... just, I love that his name is Chris. Like, of course it is. Yes. <laughs> I love Chris. Chris is awesome. It's the Todd um, I trust that, and he's also fantastic. He is. He is. Right. <laughs> Chris is the my my Chris is the pinnacle of white cis straight male, and I love him. Um, he's great. But yeah, the the it's really interesting that because I cast everybody because I had a list of characters that were likely going to be in season two, and as I started listening to these auditions, I got more and more characters that nice. popped out. And kind of embodied themselves, even if they were reading for Clarence. I got pretty much all of the other guy characters that I wanted out of that um, from a variety of different ages and ethnicities and um, acting backgrounds. And same thing with Gloria. Like it, it, it has been a really beautiful experience, I think, because um, hopefully because the way that I constructed the casting notice attracted people of a variety of different backgrounds. Yeah. I think that's so fantastic. I'm so happy for you that you found so many people. That's really great. It was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if, if uh, Gavin wanted to go back to the, to how he would respond to someone who's, um, who's criticizing a podcaster for, 
for trans uh, characters and having to be <sighs> trans act- by trans actors. I've also heard this not even just about trans characters, but people have said like, "Hey, this you know this character is gay, and I would like a gay a gay person yeah. to play them," and they've gotten that same kind of feedback, um, which I think is very interesting yeah gavin i want to hear your take on on this for sure i mean i can't really there's not really much i can add to this that lisette hasn't already said besides the fact that stage names exist for a reason mm-hmm. like i i mean i i never would tell someone like you only get this role if i can say publicly you are Yeah, you're not gonna this. ask like for their driver's license <laughs> uh, <laughs> no yeah like like if someone if someone <laughs> feels comfortable in auditioning and they don't feel comfortable being out, guess what? There's gonna be a dope ass anonymous headshot on the website and I'm gonna build a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna lean into it and there will be not a fucking word said about, well, you're gonna have to I'm gonna have to write this whole bio for you and you're gonna uh you have to be out if you're going to voice act, if you're going to be an actor in my auteur experience. <laughs> uh, if someone's right for the role and can do the role, uh, we're making podcasts here, people. It's it, Movies are movies. Uh, books are books. No one should have to be in any sort of risky situation to make a, a good Yeah, piece I mean, of one fiction. of the most famous people in podcasting right now is Anonymous, Breakmaster Cylinder. Mm-hmm. Like, no <laughs> one knows who they are. We don't know what pronouns they use at all. Like, they're just a great composer. And they're extremely famous. And, like, that is, that's okay, you know? Um, if that's what is safe for you and what is comfortable for you, I think that there's a lot of merit in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, one of my mm-hmm. actors, um, and I, I can say this, does use a stage name. Um, for, because she uses, uh, she, she has other work Mm -hmm, that she mm -hmm. does that she doesn't want to connect with, with other work. Right. So that's something that is very, I think, valid to understand that some people just want their privacy or they want to have, um, they want to present themselves specifically on the internet for that reason in their work. Um, I wasn't born a will to have it. Mm. so another thing i want to touch on with casting calls that is um a little bit i guess more lighthearted than that um because i think that we could we could continue going down many 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 conversations about casting calls and i think that we should eventually but for right now um as a bit of a basics on casting calls i want to ask how do you how do you pick sides for your auditions how do you pick lines that you think are really going to make an audition clear like that somebody can capture an essence of a character how many lines do you give what kind of direction do you give in them so for mine (laughs) i didn't give any direction (laughs) i kind of picked maybe this was cruel but i picked out a couple of uh a couple of pieces that were completely divorced from any context. If uh, one of which for Gloria, she had not had any um, her mini episode. So I actually picked from the mini episode a couple of lines that had no context around them, just because I was curious how people would react to kind to to mm-hmm. 
less fewer less less direction i can't remember the word for that okay um (laughs) and for clarence similarly um because he did not have a he didn't have a specific episode but he did have a letter that was sent to kalila in the first episode or for Mm -hmm. one of the sorry not the first episode uh one of the uh prequel teasers um so i kind of broke that out um and i also took some uh, i kind of reworded another um line from uh the narrative that kalila gave for the first episode so it was kind of constructed mostly on what i knew the character would be like um because i did give the the direction that i did give was the personality of the characters right um and the kind of context in which the person lives so uh i wanted to at least give kind of a blank slate from with the with the sides themselves and have them really focus on the character and how the character was going was going to be portrayed rather than the context of the of the scenes that the lines were set from gavin what about you how did you pick the lines for your um... auditions I realized I needed sides while after I had (laughs) 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 like I had had, my casting call has like two, three pages of text before you even get to the roles. Uh, So I was spending a lot of time on that. uh, Will and uh, uh, Ellie got a lot of messages (laughs) from me about is this is this a thing? Is this Uh, so at some point some of the lines are pulled let's see none of the main characters lines are pulled from the script i made those up while sitting there i basically just sat there and looked at my description of that character to remind myself what their whole like steez is and then just wrote the most like them on their bullshit lines (laughs) i could think of to see so that the person auditioning when they are doing it i can kind of get a feel for well that's what that's gonna sound like uh that mostly worked my pitfall on one character came from my description of them in which i did not think through other people's preconceived notions about what the term i was using would make them sound like uh i used the term corn-fed farm boy with with the idea of like a luke skywalker g willard right. kind of character no you probably got southern accents huh everyone yep. else went real yep. <laughs> it doesn't it really does Corn not does not grow in the south you got you got that's a, that's a midwest thing you got corn and you got Do y'all think um, there is such a thing as, like, over-directing in a casting call? Yeah. I've seen it. I haven't done... I mean, I hope I haven't done it. I haven't seen it in ones that I've looked at yet, but... (laughs) Yeah. What do you think is, like, the right amount to hit for for giving direction and lines? I misspelled the name of the space station. My It's in the second sentence, and I've only just now noticed it. Oh, Gavin. <laughs> That's all right. I remember I didn't I didn't post the, yeah. the, the deadlines for the audition due dates when I first posted it. <laughs> and I actually changed them from, I think, Gavin, you mentioned before, you were like, I yeah. 
shouldn't give this long or I'll have too many. All the ones, all the, all the voices. <laughs> and uh, so I actually had to similarly <laughs> retract my audition due dates to uh, a month yep. <laughs> rather than yep. Sorry, uh, Will, what two were or three we? months. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, what, what is yeah. the right <laughs> amount of direction to hit? Um, do you think that no direction Over is the right way to go to see what the actors will pull? Do you think um, maybe like a few adverbs or adjectives is good? What do y'all think? I love giving less direction because I also like being given hmm. less direction so I can like do something weird. That's that's always that's something that I maybe it's just a, a bias on my end on how I like to approach um, acting and ha- the type of actors I enjoy working with. And I feel like the actors that I eventually chose and the actors that um, I chose for other characters really were able to do that. They were able to make their own character. Um, mm-hmm. And that was uh, that was really helpful for me as a director and as a casting director, I guess, to also kind of see what people are willing to do um, yeah. with with something I, uh, with a blank I, slate. I mainly follow that. The um, I think the one time I really gave direction on a line uh, in any of the sides was when it was like something that's completely out of context without that direction. Like uh, there's a line where tf has to cut someone off while they're talking and like that's the 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 delivery of the line is predicated on knowing that uh really the only direction throughout main like with not parenthesis in parentheticals or anything i threw a lot of lines with italics to indicate a word because that's how i write dialogue when it's not supposed to be like fancy and everyone else reads it (laughs) (laughs) so i just wanted to see how like this actor would handle <laughs> seeing an italic in a word and whether they would like deliver it right. Or if I need to like keep tabs on that over time, like otherwise in a fantastic performance, but they take an italics to mean get louder. Right, or right. <laughs> yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, any, any last notes on casting calls advice you can give to people before we move on to our recommendations this, this week. It's probably helpful to have a script <laughs> before you cast people. <laughs> I can see that coming in handy. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, if you're making one, yeah, uh, a table of contents, especially if you're making it in something like Google Drive where it's super easy to make a table of contents so that um, there's like, a menu on the left side that shows all the names of all the characters and they just click on it to get there is this is just from me having looked at a couple of Mm. casting calls in the past that were fucking huge. And I actually didn't audition because I got lost trying to find the part I wanted to read. Uh, That will help. Well, cool. I have one more thing. Yeah, go for it. Um, Yeah. uh, Kind of like the after, after the casting notice a little bit is also getting an understanding of how you're going to onboard them. Like how you're going to, what kind of information is going to be necessary afterwards um, or after you choose somebody. Yeah. Can you, can you give a little bit of a a breakdown of your, of your onboarding process for actors? Yeah. So um, 
usually I give them, you know, a notice like, hey, do you, are you interested in this role? Um, and if they accept the role, I have a voice acting agreement um, that they sign. Good. Um, I Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Please protect yes. yourself. Exactly. Um, and protect your actors, too, because mm-hmm. uh, there's also some, some things around, uh, you know, it really does help both sides when both sides are informed. Um, especially when money's involved. Yes. That's something that uh, I know not everybody is paying um, their actors, um, but because I am, uh, making sure I have a contract that showcases that also protects them. And also, if you if you ever, ever plan on monetizing in any way, you should be thinking about this. In my opinion, every podcaster who works with guests or actors should be thinking about this. But yes, especially if money is involved. So uh, yeah, voice acting agreement. I usually, on the way I've onboarded pretty much all of my actors so far has been kind of a general question of like, how much do you know about Kalila Stormfire and the plot so far? I'll give them a rundown of the plot if they're not as familiar. Um, I give them a rundown of their character um, as far as I know of it. So far, again, I did not have all of the scripts for season two, um, some of the characters that I did on board uh, did, were featured in many episodes, um, on hiatus episodes, so they were able to see a little bit more. I was able to give them a script to kind of see how they interact with other characters. Um, I gave them a backstory of each of their characters, and um, I gave them time to, you know, kind of question and answer of how, uh, how they might be portrayed, what kind of accent they might use. Um, that kind of thing. And then I usually go through the, um, you know, what the production is going to be like. Um, I have a production newsletter, so I get signed, I get them on that. Um, I tell them how the, you know, the table reading is going to go when I expect them to get a recording back to me. Um, and then I ask for any other questions and then I ask for their social media and their headshot if they want to give it so I can put it on the website. Um, and then, yeah, that's, it's usually been pretty good. Uh, I, one of my favorite compliments that I've gotten so far from my actors is that, uh, he said that, uh, my production is one of the most professional indie productions he's ever been on. So I was very happy about that. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I guess I'm doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised by that. I feel like you, I feel like you're doing things pretty right. That definitely, that. that definitely sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'm just sitting over here like all these super talented people are reading shit I wrote. This, this scam has gone too far. <laughs> Mood. <laughs> what have I done? So let's move into uh, our recommendations for this week. Um, Lisette, do you want to go first? Yeah. Okay, so I'm recommending Ooh. Dark Ages. It is... Uh, awesome. Uh, I love mm-hmm. the sound design of it, first of all, but it is uh, kind of pitched as a high fantasy workplace comedy. Um, so if you, if you need if you need a, a, a fantasy workplace comedy sci-fi, to balance out yeah. Gavin's sci-fi workplace com- comedy, Dark Ages <laughs> is the right thing for you. Um, it is fantastically produced. It's fantastically acted. The writing is l- amazing. Uh, it's essentially uh, set in a fantasy version of a of a like kind of natural history museum, um, and 
there's these incredible cast of characters that include, um, you know, a, a, a thief that's been cursed to stay for like, uh, I think like a, a like 500 years or something. There's a very irritable um, elf who's uh, very high strung, who runs, the, who runs the museum and constantly seeks money from patrons. Yeah, Marwood. Um, there is <laughs> so much gay in, and I won't say who, yeah. But there's gay, and I love gay. Uh, there's a, it's so burn gay, which is my favorite type of gay. Um, yeah, here for this. <laughs> and one of my favorite parts actually is the fact that they have uh, the Dark Lord, who kind of becomes and re- is resurrected in the first thing. It gets kind of stuck in the museum. And he kind of is this wry commentator from the sidelines <laughs> because he can't do anything right now. He's just biding his, his time. <laughs> and it's hilarious. I love it. Um, uh, so, yeah, you can right now. I think there's there. Each episode's pretty long. Every every episode's like about an hour long, I think. So right now there's only about six episodes, uh, but honestly, every minute is so enjoyable. Um, I really recommend it. I really recommend, uh, yeah, the, 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 the whole, the whole aesthetic is, is just great too. Cause there's a lot of like demons. There's a lot of, uh, playing off the genre too. Um, there's, you know, weird, weird, uh, animals. There's a lot of really great sound effects. Um, and the writing is just is so good. very sharp. I love it. Nice. And what's the title of that, that one more time? Dark Ages. You can find it at darkagesshow.com. Uh, just to tack on a uh, nice. really reductive nice. and uh, pithy soundbite, uh, if you want to really get a feel for Dark Ages, just think Faulty Towers by way of Terry Pratchett. Like, it's very good. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God. I need to be better at making those pithy <laughs> like, summarizations. To be fair, I heard Dark Ages like fucking two months nice. ago, and I've had time to mull it over. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Will, you what's your Rick? Or, or I'll go, Gavin, or do you I'll go, go next? next. Oh, okay. Alright, well... I'll go. Uh, you or go. My, you, you do it, you Gavin. Have a recommendation? <laughs> Jordan goes. Hi, Jordan! She, she says hi while she's <laughs> dosing out pills. Uh, so, hey, my... That you're getting Woo. ibuprofen out of a bottle. Only if you can share. Will just said only if you share. <laughs> Lisette no, that said was only if you share. Okay, five hundred. That was, was Lisette. Sorry, <laughs> showed my hand there. Oh, it's okay. My heart was there with <laughs> it. All right. So my first recommendation of today is a celebrity. We're only doing one today. We are only doing one today, but there are technically two. Will because there's podcasts. What? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> With the rise of of uh, baking shows and food in general on YouTube, podcasting is not to be left behind. And this uh, television star, star of stage and screen, is not to be left behind. So we have the first celebrity hosted cooking show, which, quite frankly, is predominantly just the sounds of them preparing bread. I want to introduce you people to LeVar Burton Needs. <laughs> Terrible. Ugh. <laughs> 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 Gavin, what's your actual <laughs> recommendation? 
<laughs> if, on- if only it was actually real. My uh, my recommendation today is a show called uh, Museums and Strange Places, hosted by Hannah Hethman. Uh, it Ooh. it is what it says on the tin. Museum and Strange Places is a, for people who really like really niche museums. Uh, a good chunk of the show is in Iceland because well. Because they were in Iceland at the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the The favorite example I've heard so far is an episode called "The Shark Farm," and it literally is just they go to this shed that is also a museum about pickling or uh, about drying out and then pickling shark meat to make a traditional Icelandic food that no one really likes outside of Iceland. But there is such a niche market for it that they keep making it and now there's just this tiny museum that they've built and the person who is curating it is the most energetic person in the world and it was just a beautiful 29 minutes of audio so yeah museums in strange places is just all the all the boxes ticked for me (laughs) (laughs) nice so i for the first time am going to just directly announce that i am doing a pun cast because it's too good uh, right now uh (laughs) because it is too something uh (laughs) when i saw this pun cast i responded i hate it exactly as much as i love it um so i both i i i don't want to take credit for this exactly as much as i do want to take credit for it so this comes from lee davis thalborn of Love and luck. Fucking buckle up. So you know it's gonna be good. (laughs) (laughs) So, there's this new podcast out there that's about this gay baker in New York, sorry, from New York, who travels to to a patisserie in Cleveland to get away from stress. He spends most of his time on Grindr, but he keeps having weird sexual dreams about filled pastries. Anyway, it's called Cream Boy. (laughs) (laughs) i hate it as much as i love it and lee needs to go to jail wait wait of course yes absolutely oh my god okay so this might be half baked all of my listen the last like five or six episodes of tuned in dialed up i have made them up during like I just opened up, I opened up a tab of my subscriptions to scroll through, going like, "What rhymes? Just something's got to rhyme." All right, all right, okay. So you know how Marvel may have its corner in movies and television, and okay, podcasts as well. But DC needs its own podcast, and now it does. Following the calming, dulcet tones of a person exploring the weird and wonderful homeworld of Kal-El, yes, the Superman, comes a new podcast about alien scientists who love to listen to the Krypton Naturalist. (laughs) (laughs) I'd listen, though. It has to have right. it has to have the exact good. same guest list that the Crypto Naturalist has had. Please, <laughs> yes, I love it. That was so good. <laughs> okay, I literally wrote that out now. It's good. It's so good. It's so I good. I want right, Superman right, to right, have right, the right. Crypto Naturalist voice. <laughs> Me too. Well, dark side. Oh, man. Me too. So calming. 
So, oh no. <laughs> my actual recommendation is a weird one. Um it is called Buick City 1AM. Have either of you heard no, of this? No, I like the name. No. Okay, so it is um a mini series sci-fi opera that stars the actress who played Leah Haddock in in Limetown. Oh. Um it is about a woman in Detroit who travels through time to find out who killed her father and to stop it before it happens. Um, it is about uh, industrialization in Detroit. It is also about uh, the multifaceted nature of human people. And also it's an opera and also it stars Leah Haddock. It is so strange and so interesting and it makes my brain do so many things at once. And it's designed beautifully. It's acted fantastically. Um, it's just an experience. I don't even want to talk about it much more because I feel like you should just go in knowing the the briefest of summaries and just experience it. Um, for those who are curious, uh, it, it's like a Greek chorus sort of opera. So there are like voices who sing the songs but they are not the lead actors or the actors in it um it's it's very interesting and it's very experimental and it's very weird and i love that a lot so it is called buick city 1 a.m i love this because i'm pretty sure i've heard about it's it it's real cool and it's it sounds like the perfect like follow-up to like listening to 36 questions yes yes they are Similar in a lot of ways and radically dissimilar in a lot of ways that I really like. They do kind of feel like um, like soul siblings, though, in, in some ways. It's real neat. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's on my list. Nice. Well, this has been lovely. Thank you so much, Lisette, for joining us for this conversation on casting calls. I feel like it was very illuminating and like we are learning from one of the greats and i really appreciate that you've been here with us <laughs> i hear Thank a dose so of imposter syndrome yeah. kicking in to... <laughs> uh, oh god i've been i've been struggling with season two i needed to hear that i thank you so much yeah of course i think you're great and i think that clue Stormfire is, is great and i think that you're doing a great job thank you <laughs> So before we get right. too sappy, because I I will, I will. <laughs> What's up? <that>? I will. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet? All right. So on the internet, you can find me at on Twitter at Lisette Walking. That's L I S E T T E Walking, like you're walking around. I like to walk. I guess. Um, and on Twitter for Kalila Stormfire at Kalila Stormfire. And uh, and that's Kalila Stormfire spelled. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, in a in a way, I, I yes. Uh, K A L I L A Stormfire like storm fire. Perfect. And uh, you can. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I just in the, in my funny. head when you said storm um, uh, period fire period, the, my head just completed a new sentence saying, "And if you need help spelling those, I can't help you." <laughs> that is true 
uh, okay. Also, uh, you can also find on the internet um, Kalila Storm- at Kalila Stormfire on Tumblr um, and kalilastormfire.com. And you can also find me at lisettealvarez.com. Alvarez is spelled A-L-V-A-R-E-Z. Wonderful. Boom. Nice. You can find me on the internet at, at WillWWrites on Twitter. That's W-I-L-W underscore rights. You can find me at WillWilliams.reviews. You can find me on Discover Pods and the podcast host and Polygon. I had a second article dropped there. I'm very excited about it. Woo! <laughs> Gavin, where can people, people find, find you on the, the internet? internet? At the pod report dot, nope, dot, they can find me on Twitter at the pod report. Yep. They can find me. <laughs> on a website not my podcast reporting website actually they can find me at dockingpodcast.com d-o-c-k-i-n-g podcast.com the the website of the thing i'm making that i am saying now so that i have to finish it by the time this episode goes up so if you want to subscribe to the mailing (laughs) list of that podcast that's not out yet and learn some fun things about it you can do that there and if you want to learn more about Tuned In, Dialed Up, find past episodes, all that fun stuff, our website is dialeduppodcast.wordpress.com. And our social media is at Tuned In, Dialed Up on Twitter. Wonderful. Thank you, everyone, thank so you much for joining us. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for inviting me of course. on. Of course. This is lovely. We oh, like having lovely. amazing people around. Okay, we we must stop. Everyone's good. <laughs> Everyone's important. No, no, Everyone's doing more. amazing stuff. You listening, I hope your uh, NaNoWriMo slog was uh, uh, fulfilling if you did it. If you did it and quit, yes. then good for you. <laughs> Self-care is important. I'm still proud of you. I'm still <laughs> proud of you. Self-care is important. Self-care is important. Okay, listen. In a world where there's a Cowboy Bebop live-action series, self-care is very much important. Okay, listener. Bye! Bye! Bye. (laughs) Hey, I found soup.